So the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is the most profound book in the New Testament on the church. It is Paul's treatise on what the church is about. It gives you more snapshots, more metaphors pertaining to the church than any other book in the New Testament. And if you want to understand the church, you got to read the book of Ephesians. The church is the bride of Christ. The church is the army of God. The church is the family of God. Uh, the, the, the church is seated with Christ in heavenly places. All of the metaphors pertaining to the church, the significant ones, are found in the book of Ephesians. And the, the, the verse that you need to get, if you want to understand and unlock the book of Ephesians, is in the chapter that I'm going to read the first several verses of in just a moment. It's uh, chapter 3, verse 10. So keep your eye out for chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to read it myself. Without, without you trying to go along, and here's why. Uh, this is one of Paul's classic run-on sentences. There are more commas, and, take, and you can't take a breath, and all of that kind of stuff, and some of what. Paul is just excited about his revelation, and I, I believe you're going to be too. So uh, let me uh, just read this for you today. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In, this, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God uh, to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus." Uh, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings uh, for you, which are for your glory. Aren't you glad I didn't make you read that? A few tongue twisters in there. Okay, so as we look into this, we need to realize something that Paul is saying, and this sounds crazy. I mean, this is kind of like, this is kind of like tinfoil hat stuff. Uh, think about it. He's saying through all generations, nobody got this revelation, but God gave it to me. Whoa, that's like cocky. That's like pride. That's like arrogance. Who do you think you are that you would have this revelation? And yet Paul says, I got it. God gave it to me. He gave it to me by revelation. It's a mystery. And when, when the Bible talks about mysteries in the New Testament, it's not talking about a mystery that has yet to be solved. It's talking about a mystery that God hid in the Old Testament <clears throat> and that is made known in the New Testament. I'm going to need that water bottle there, dear, please. <clears throat> thank you. Thank you. And so the reality is that the mystery has been, well, thank you, dear. <clears throat> So 
the, the mystery is that it was hidden in the Old Testament. It was hidden in creation. And when the fullness of time had come, then God unpacked it. And when God unpacked it, he gave it to the Apostle Paul. Now, the Apostle Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles. And the reason that this revelation was important was because he said, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Israel, you know, had the mystery uh, and they were stewards of the mystery up until the time of Christ. And then Paul gets this mystery that the Gentiles are heirs together. And so now through the church, 310 says, now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God has been made known to the principalities and the powers. And so this is what Paul is unpacking for us. And here's what I want you to recognize today. You know, you and I need to realize who you are. You have to realize who you are. Know who you are. Ephesians 3, 5, and 6. First of all, we are the body. Say, I am the body. You are the body of Christ. You are uh, our children of this revelation. You are a revelation generation. You are a people that God says that the identity, your identity has been hidden in Christ until such a time as this. You receive that revelation and now you and I are the body of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Your body your physical body. This is interesting uh, kind of macro, micro view. We together are the body of Christ and your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. And, and so you and I, carry. we are carriers of the person of the Holy Spirit on the inside and we represent Christ wherever we go. We are ambassadors of Christ. But collectively when we come together, when we come together, we have to learn to minister to one another because I am incomplete without you. So the, the first part that you need to get is you are the body of Christ. But the second part of that revelation is we are individuals who are incomplete without one another. I'm incomplete without you, and you are incomplete with, uh, without me. We together, not just because you're, you're a congregation and I'm a pastor, you know, it's because we are heirs together with everything that God has in store and that there are things that he's going to unpack to me about who Jesus is when you and I talk, when you and I share together. I'm going to I'm going to receive nourishment in my soul because I have a conversation with you and we encourage one another. We build one another up. You know, uh, Proverbs 16, 24 uh, says, kind words are like a honeycomb right? Soothing to the soul and healing to the bones. Well, what happens if you, if you uh, take a person and you separate them from kind words for an extended period of time? After a while, their soul gets sick and their bones get unhealthy. The converse is true. And so when we come together as the body of Christ, there needs to be an exchange of things that take place uh, here in this house. There needs to be, this is why Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, when you come together, one of you has this, one of you has this, one of you has this. Why is that important? Because it's the one another's. It's the one another's where the identity of Christ is really revealed, right? Um, and so uh, let me explain it to you like this. You know, in uh, Holly, won't you come on up? Um, in uh, in in uh, our house, somewhere in our house, somewhere in the file, there is a marriage license, right? There's actually two because I've got Matt and Alyssa's on my desk right now. But there's a marriage license that says this woman and I are hitched. 
we be hitched. Right? And so, uh, so 31 years ago, that, uh, the, the ink dried on that marriage license that we have. But that marriage license, that's just a piece of paper. That marriage license in today's world, right? That marriage license, it can be, you know, divorces do happen. It's not going to happen in our, in our uh, marriage, but uh, divorces do happen. That, that, is a, that is a legal document that can change. But the covenant relationship between Holly and I is maintained because of the one another's, because we bear one another's burden, because we pray for one another, because we speak kindly to one another, because we walk in humility toward one another, because we honor one another. Does that make sense to you? That, that, that it's, it's, it's the intangible that really makes the tangible work. Oftentimes I say to people around here, because we have a child care center and Holly's the administrator of it, and I founded it back, you know, 20 some years ago. And, and, and I say, Little Lights works at Lighthouse in a shared space because my marriage works. There were times we had to work some stuff out. Honey, you know, the, the workers over there at Little Lights, they're not putting stuff back. And the workers at, at Lighthouse are having to show up and the, and the room's not set straight. Okay, we got to work that out. We got to figure that out. We got to work through that. You got to, you know, why? Because that's real life, isn't it? That's just real life. Stuff, rubs are going to happen. Wrinkles are going to happen. Difficulties are going to happen. What do you have to do to work it out? Well, you have to do the one another's. Thank you. Mm, 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 mm. Come back, come back. Whew, temperature just went up. Somebody turn on the air. <laughs> okay, here's, here's uh, in the word, here's, here's something you need to get a hold of. There are 100 one another statements in the New Testament. 100, everybody say 100. That's a lot more than the Ten Commandments. There are 100 one another statements in the New Testament in 94 different passages. So that means that uh, six, of those, six of those times there's two one another's in one passage. So here's how they break down. One third command unity or getting along. One third, that means like 33%, right? Isn't that one third? Um, you know, one third command unity or getting along. One third deal with love. 15% command us to be humble. Somebody needed that word. If you're going to work with people, you better be humble. You know, I, if, if I'm the smartest guy around the table, I'm really not the smartest guy anymore. I should have found people smarter than me. I should have found people better than me. I should have found people that could speak into whatever the process was, challenge was, because if I'm the smartest guy in the room, God help us. And what, the, what does that take? That takes humility. That says, you know what? I'm going to prefer my brother. I'm going to honor my sister. I'm going to recognize that God has put gifts in this person that I don't have, and, and yet I have because we are part of the body of Christ together. If, I, if, I, if you share your idea, if I have to share my idea with you, guess what? Now you have two ideas. If you share I, your idea with me, now I have two ideas. Just because I shared it doesn't mean it went away. It actually multiplied, didn't it? It actually, I got smarter because I heard your idea. I got better because we walked 
walked together. There were some one another's exchanging. And, you know, as a result of that, together God gets the glory because we elevate the name of Jesus when we work together, right? Um, Number four, the remaining 11 one another's are various expressions covering comfort, greetings, hospitality, etc. So these are personality things. These are things, you know, practice hospitality, you know, bear one another's burdens, uh, comfort one another with these words. And, and so you and I need to recognize that to the extent that we practice the one another's, that's the extent that we are strong in the Lord. If we're not practicing the one another's, if, if we're not being a source of encouragement to people around us, you say, well, Pastor Ken, I'm feeling like I'm half full and I, you know, and I'm, I don't have anything to share. Can I tell you, you do. You do. Can I, can I, I'm going to deputize you today. I'm going to, Holy Spirit today is going to pour, I'm, I'm, you thought I was being facetious there, I'm really not. Holy Spirit today is going to give you the gift of encouragement. The gift of encouragement. Why? Because if you got breath in your lungs, you can encourage somebody. Let me show you how. This is part of having an instructed tongue. You just need a little instruction. I'll show you how. Here it goes. You know, uh, here's, here's a reminder. Um, so a number of years ago, there was a, a, a couple here by the name of Will and Gloria Early. They pastor uh, for years down uh, south of us. They were elders here in this house. Wonderful African-American couple, both of them in uh, the Air Force. Love them to pieces. And uh, Gloria Early had the biggest smile. She still does, and she's just a gracious woman, and one day, she turned that gracious smile to my 10-year-old son, Jeremy, and she looked at Jeremy with that big smile, and she said, Jeremy, I like your style, and not only did it impact Jeremy, but I'm, I'm still talking about it, you know, 20, you know, 15 years later, 12 years later, whatever, I can't do math this morning. She's 22, so it was 12 years ago. And I still remember it. Why do I remember it? Because words stick. Words are like honey. You ever put some honey on some bread and it leaks through into your hand, you know, and you enjoy it for hours later because <laughs> you can't get it off? Words have a way of sticking. And, and what, what uh, Gloria didn't realize is that my kids, uh, not, they, they, you know, Lighthouse is the greatest church in the world, but my kids, because they're my kids, feel like this is a fishbowl. They feel like they're always being looked at because nobody else is a senior pastor's kids. And, and so Jeremy always dealt with that. And here was this word of encouragement. Here's this word of encouragement. So, you know, it's easy to say, I like your style. Try it out. I like your smile. Go ahead, try that out. Tell me about that tattoo. Go ahead, tell me about that tattoo. You know, there, there are things that people, you can just comment on it in a positive way and it's encouragement. Oh, somebody noticed. You know, yeah, it, some of y'all don't ever wash your car, but those of you that detail out your cars, it's nice when people notice, you know what I'm talking about? right? Um, Some of y'all are meticulous about your yard. Don't pass by my house, please. You will not have words of encouragement for me. (laughs) But when I come to your house, you know what I'm going to say? Man, look at that yard. Particularly, what I've discovered is that I want to compliment people for things that maybe I don't do very well at all. How many of you appreciated the music uh, today? Uh, You know, for those of us that are musically challenged, you know, I can push a play button on my phone. That's the extent 
of my musical t- But you know what? So I have an appreciation. I'm like, man, I can't play the keyboard like that. I can't sing like that. I can't do. So what, what, do, what do we need to do? If you thought it, oh, that was nice. You should say it. Because somebody needed to hear it. So if you thought it and it was positive, then you need to say it. That's where encouragement, why? Because you heard it. The, the sovereign Lord has given me an instructed tongue. How did that tongue receive instruction? instruction? The ear. So as soon as you heard it, you file it away. Let me have an opportunity to speak that word of encouragement to somebody because they need it. I just know that probably at home, you have a file, probably three files, that are busting out from all the words of encouragement that you've received in your life. No. But you probably got some complaints. You probably got some grumblings. You probably go, why didn't you do it this way? Why didn't you do it that way? Why didn't you do it this way? Anybody? You got that. You got some of that. Those go to the circular file. After you learn the truth. Okay, there's a kernel of truth in here. Okay, I, I could have, yeah, I receive a little instruction and I throw it away. But man, come on, encouragement, right? And so when we are in the body of Christ and we are the body of Christ together, the one and others are what strengthen us. And if you've ever been weak, then you know what it's like then you need to be a source of encouragement for somebody. So show up for church. We started the year with a 2020 challenge, right? $20 in your pocket that you could hand off. Show up for church with a word of encouragement for somebody. And if you don't see them, text it to them. And as soon as you hear it or you hear something about something somebody did that was good, man, you said, man, I was having a conversation with somebody and they said this about you. And I said, yeah, that's so-and-so. That's what I know about them. And you give that word of encouragement. Let me tell you, this is how the body of Christ gets strong. This strengthens the immune system in the body so that when gossip and slander rears its head, you immediately have five words of encouragement say, uh-uh, that's not reality. This is reality. Let me define reality for you. That's my brother. That's my sister. This is what I know about them. If you got a problem, I'll go with you right now. And we'll sit down and we'll have a conversation. Let's just deal with that. Amen? That's how you get strong. This is how you mature. This is grown-up stuff, honey. This is how grown-ups live. You're only allowed to act like a junior higher in junior high. In the body of Christ, we grow up. Thank you. I can move on now. Secondly, know what you have. Everybody say, know what you have. Know what you have. You know, when you and I are going to get mature with the gifts of the Spirit, when we get ourselves out of the equation and we recognize that we're just a pass-through for the Holy Spirit to give to somebody else what he wants to give them. You and I are very little involved with that. We just have to say, I'm available, Holy Spirit, whatever you want to do. And then we allow him to speak through us what he wants to speak. So know what you have. Look here in uh, in verse 7. He says, I became a servant of the gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am the less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles 
the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. Paul, you, you think about how this was so backwards. Paul was killing Christians. Paul was standing there holding the, the, the coats of the people who were stoning Stephen and saying, Ra, go ahead, do it. This guy is trouble. And then God saves him. I mean, if anybody would have had an internal conflict about whether or not he was worthy, that would be the guy. And yet God gives Paul this revelation of the mystery of Christ. And he says, this grace was given me. This, what, what grace has God given you? What grace? First of all, you live for God's purpose. You live for God's purpose. You don't live for yourself. When you came to Jesus, you, you checked the box and you said, I am his. And now you live compelled by the love of Christ. You don't live for yourself anymore. When you got in the tank and you were baptized, that was the last day that you lived for yourself. Because you died and the life you now live, you live unto Christ. Let me remind you of those waters of baptism. Let me remind you of the covenant that you and I have with the living God that, that we don't live for ourselves any longer. So, uh, so you live for God's purpose. Secondly, you align with his plan. You align with his plan. Can I tell you so many times, this, I can tell when I'm sitting with, uh, with people and, and I can share with them the word of God and, and I'll, I can get them to say, yeah, that's what the Bible says, but I don't want to do it. Well, okay, but as soon as you recognize that you're departing from the word of the Lord, in that moment, you, you are no longer, uh, no longer going to get the outcome that you want to have. Because when I trust Jesus, God's got my outcomes in his hand. But as soon as I go off the beaten path, as soon as I go off the reservation of his word, now the outcomes are in the hands of the devil and evil people. Now, I, don't, I, I can't do anything to do. And, and this is, even David in the Old Testament understood this. He said, you know what? When he was faced with an opportunity, you want, you want the people, you want God. He said, I'm going to fall on God's mercy. You know, you and I need to hang on to the word of the Lord. We need to align ourselves with God's plan. If you'll align, you say, well, I don't know about that money thing. And I don't know about tithing. Well, let me tell you, move into it. Move into alignment with it and watch what God does. Let it be between you and him. Don't, don't let some preacher get in the middle of that thing. Just do what it says and find out what happens. You know, there's a word that I became aware of when I got into my, uh, my doctoral work. And then the word is called praxis, P. R-A-X-I-S. And it's just a fancy word. It's, it's kind of like practice, but it's different. It's different from the standpoint of as soon as you start doing, you discover. You discover things. You discover. Some of y'all need to get some discovery going on. And the way you get discovery going on is by obe being obedient to what you know. You're, you're only hindered by the thing that you know to do, but you're not doing. And as soon as you begin to do, the discovering begins to happen. Oh, 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 forgiveness. Well, I know about forgiveness. Do you practice it? No. Then you're not going to get the freedom. Some of you know about worship, but you don't worship. Some of you know about prayer, but you don't pray. Some of you know about these things, and you think because you know it, you get the benefits of it. You don't get the benefits of it until you act on it. 
till you act on it. When you act on it, that's when the power is released. That's when the grace begins to flow. That's when the joy returns. That's when it happens. Not when you thought about it, when you acted upon it. So this word praxis means to discover by doing. And so you and I need to discover some things. So I'll, 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 I'll talk to people in counseling. They'll say, well, Pastor Ken, I, I, you know, I, I know what I need to do. Okay, do it. Oh, but can we counsel about it a little while? Can we just talk about it a little more? No, because then you're just going to pacify your conscience thinking I have talked about it. Therefore, I did it. You didn't do it yet. There's no, there's no conversation to have. Right? Just do. Just do what, and then you're going to get the discovery of it, right? Um, Lastly, in that thought, you have been given his power. You have been given his power. His power has been made available to you. This is what you have. You have God's purpose. You live according to his plan, and you have been given his power. And so all of these things in the church, all of these things wrapped up on the inside of us, what would happen? I, I just, I do this kind of, this is the way my mind works, okay, just bear with me. What would, have, what would happen if I just decided that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the first 10 people in my contact list and I'm going to shoot them a text of encouragement today? What would happen if I made sure that every conversation I had a book ended with a word of encouragement at the front end, talk about whatever we're going to talk about, and ended with a word of encouragement? What would happen? How would that change the focus of our conversation? What would happen if we, if we just all got uh, anointed encouragement flowing in our lives, right? What would happen? Let me tell you, it would change things radically. Your sales would go up. You're the, the people that wanted to listen to you, the, the, the number of friends, that would go up. You know, uh, you, you get around people and, and that person that's an encouragement, you know, you know, their voice becomes big in your ears. Why? Because there's a famine in the land for the voice of encouragement. And so when you begin to be that person that just says, I've decided I'm going to encourage today. And so you make a list of things, a list of people, and things that you can say the words of encouragement. There's a, a they're, they're missionary. I'm, I'm just a true story here. There are, sometimes I get calls from missionaries, and I know the missionaries want to have services, and, and we have a limited number of services, so it's hard uh, oftentimes to schedule them. And I don't want to, it, it doesn't feel like a sales call, but it, is, it feels kind of like a sales call. And I'm like, ah, okay, got to, you know. But there are a few missionaries that have learned this trick. One of them was, uh, is Mike McGee. He's a, he's a home missionary now, and Mark and Sandra worked under him for a couple of years. And Mike McGee would get me on the phone. I'd be dreading it. Ugh. Only one time did this ever happen with Mike. I was dreading it until I heard his voice, and he'd say, Pastor Ken, you and I are part of the greatest thing the world has ever seen. I'm so thankful for the kingdom of God. And he'd, be, he'd start talking, man, and before you knew it, I was pumped up. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, can you come preach? I, everybody needs to hear what you have to say. Come on, brother. He wasn't one of those missionaries to say, can I get on your schedule? Can I get on your, you know, and I'm like, hmm, oh, her. He came in with the word of encouragement. He came in with the word of encouragement. He came in. And, you know, so here's the thing I want you to get a hold of from what we've talked about so far. It's, you can be, uh, it's better to be a small part of a big thing than a big part of a small thing. You can be a small part 
of the kingdom of God. Something uh, th- those of you that, that uh, remember when Tom and Becky Davis here, you'll remember one of the only sermons that Tom ever preached where he said, I'm a nose hair in the body of Christ. Do you remember that? Come on. Still stands out. I'm a nose hair in the body of Christ. He, I was like, what the heck? Who preaches on being a nose hair? Now, when you got a nose like mine, nose hairs can be pretty prominent. The other day, Holly and I had one of these one another. This is, I'm chasing a rabbit here. Go with me. So Holly and I are driving down Denby Boulevard, and she kept looking over at me. And she's looking over at me, and she begins to reach toward my nose. Like, whoa, 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 whoa. I almost took the car in the ditch. Glad it was her car, not my Land Cruiser. And, and she says, you got, you got a nose hair right there. I said, don't touch that. It's connected to my frontal lobe. You pull that thing and I lose brain cells. It's better to be a small part of a big thing than a big part of a small thing. You'll remember that, won't you? Yes, I knew you would. Number three, this is about as far as we're going to get today. Number three, know the Holy Spirit is ready to use you, so be ready. Holy Spirit will ride on your words when you begin to speak blessing. Can I just tell you something? The blessing of the Lord is the commodity of the kingdom of God. The commodity of the kingdom of God. You know what a commodity is? You know, it's something that can be traded. It's something that you can, you can escalate the amount that you have if you have a commodity say you had oil or gas or something like that you could the the, you can you can build up the the amount that you have the blessing of the lord is the commodity of heaven and so it's favor it's it's the sign of god's favor so when you begin to speak blessing let me tell you holy spirit is all up in that holy spirit is is all around those words and you begin to bless somebody you begin to speak his blessing and you're trading the commodity of heaven with their soul. You begin to speak blessing in your home and you watch the atmosphere change. You begin to speak blessing instead of, I wish it was. Well, speak what it is. Speak the blessing of the Lord. Let me tell you, when God begins to bless around here, let me tell you what's going to happen. You know, and I, you know, for me, that's, that's, that's how I keep the fires lit. I speak the blessing of the Lord. You want, you want to see change in your kid's life? Speak a blessing. Speak a blessing. Speak a blessing. Tell them, who, you know, all my children are taught by the Lord and great shall be their peace, right? Have those words written around. Speak them out loud. You will change the atmosphere of your home. You'll change the atmosphere of your world. Speak the blessing of the Lord. Holy Spirit is ready to do that. Let me tell you, 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 you're trying to get receptivity and, and the way to get receptivity is to speak a blessing speak a blessing. You know, Luke chapter 10, Jesus tells his disciples, got to go quick. Uh, He tells his disciples, go into a town and say, peace be unto this house. And if there's a man of peace there, your peace will rest upon him. In other words, he'll receive it. If, if, the, if there's not a man of peace there, your peace will return to you. Don't worry about it. You're not losing a thing. Are you with me? You're not losing a thing. Just because you spoke a blessing that wasn't received, you didn't lose it. The peace of God is still there on your life. You haven't lost anything. You know? So you, you say, peace be unto this house. And all of a sudden, a person says, ooh, I like that. 
and they just received it. You, you're saying, Pastor Ken, that's nasty. No, it's not nasty. This is how the kingdom of God works. You walk into a new area, and, and what does it mean to say, peace be unto this house? Well, the closest, uh, the closest uh, translation would be pay a compliment. So you speak a compliment. Man, you, you, you know, your house is just always so. And you always do a nice job with that. Or, you know, maybe the house isn't always so, but you always feel cared for when you go there. Man, I just always sense uh, your care. I always sense hospitality when I'm here, you know. And, and you, talk, you talk about the atmosphere. You, talk, you give feedback, but it's always positive, you see. And you speak a blessing. And when you begin to speak the, the blessing, um, what happens is the commodity. Uh, the, of the kingdom flows. Um, secondly, use the keys of the kingdom. Jesus gave us the keys of the kingdom in, in Mark chapter uh, 16, right? Mark chapter 16. Um, he said, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. You say, Pastor Ken, that's woo-woo. No, because you and I are going to say what is when we begin to speak and we say, you know what? I, I sense this in the Lord. And there's a, there is a progression that happens in our lives. Um, you know, and, and you, kind of, you kind of move with wisdom on it. Let me just talk to you for a second about Legacy Springs. When, I, when we first started hearing the word of the Lord about the, about the senior living community, you know, there's, there's nothing, you know, why, first of all, you're a pastor, why are you involved with this? Second of all, we're a church, why are we involved with this? And, and we just have been kind of taking a baby step at a time, and we, we did a, a, a third-party market study, um, would the community support it? We want to go with wisdom, so we go a little bit further, we go a little bit further, but let me tell you, God's putting words around this thing for us, and, uh, and so I keep thinking, I keep hearing from the Lord, you need to honor people, you need to nurture people, you need to celebrate people. So Legacy Springs is going to be about honoring, nurturing, and celebrating. We're going to honor people because they're created in the image and likeness of God. We're going to honor them because, uh, you know, they, they, they labored in the heat of the day, and now they're at a different stage in their life. And, you know, we should honor our fathers and our mothers, right? So, uh, so we're going to do that. We're going to honor them. We're going to nurture them because we're going to look after them, and we're going to make sure they have every one of their needs met. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to have our tribe riders are going to be over there, and they're going to be, they're going to be taking notes on stories from these seniors. And, uh, and, you know, we're going to have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Mike Mills shared with me uh, something that God has used him in in a number of years. Uh, he said, I just, I, I noticed, uh, he said, I noticed that I'd get called to the bedside of somebody that was very near death. And he said, God just began to help me talk to them about heaven and talk to them about, uh, about what they were about to experience and to get them to the place where they weren't fearful of death any longer, but they could actually welcome it because they knew that death, death was going to open up uh, eternity for them. And he said, as I began to do that, he said, they just, he said their trust for the Lord went up. And he said, I've watched so many people just go peacefully into the presence of the Lord. And he, here was the word, and this was so powerful to me. He said, God has shown me that I'm like Joseph of Arimathea, who was preparing the body of Christ for burial. So you think about people that we will have the opportunity to minister to them and prepare them for eternity. Think about that. Preparing the body of Christ for burial. 
you know. And so you and I, we, we need to recognize that God has put us in the world to bind things and loose things. We're going to bind fear as it relates to death. We're going to loose joy and peace in those moments, in those last moments that people have. Thirdly, you pray over people and you listen. You pray over people and you listen. Get ready for the Holy Spirit to use you and just be willing to pray with people. Just be willing to pray with people. How many of you have prayed with somebody this past week? Not for somebody, but with somebody. With somebody. You just took a minute. You just, hey, let's pray on that right now. You know, uh, one of the things that we track around here on Mondays when we do our staff meetings is what we call 20-second prayers. And, and when somebody begins to share a need in their life, um, my staff is instructed to, to just say, hey, can we just stop what we're doing? We want to pray over that right now. And take a minute and pray with people about whatever the need is that's, that's in their life. You can do the same. Let me tell you, you don't have to be a, I've already deputized you, haven't I? I don't know what this is about, but I'm, I'm deputizing you to do 20-second prayers with people. Throughout the week, you hear something, don't just say, oh, okay, I'll pray for you, you know, because no, you won't, you forget. We're all busy. Just stop what you're doing and say, you know what, right now, let's just kind of pound a, a stake in the ground and let's pray over this thing right now. And I'm going to circle back with you. We're going to talk about this next week. Or as soon as we pray, I'm going to begin watching for God to do something. Oftentimes, when I begin to pray for somebody, I listen at the same time that I'm praying and the Holy Spirit will, will tell me something about that circumstance. It is the gateway for a word of knowledge or the gateway for a word of wisdom. A thought that I hadn't had five seconds earlier now I have as I'm praying and I can share that thought hey have you ever or sometimes there will be a face or a phone number I'll get a connection hey you need to reach out to this person because that I, I think I know something about the answer to your prayer let's you know and and so take it take it down off of this is what the body of Christ does we look after one another right we pray for one another we expect that God's going to answer lastly ask God for wisdom whoa I do that every day whoa Ask God for wisdom. You and I are not equal to our calling. But that's the point. We have to lean on him. God sees the end from the beginning. God knows what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, he, he, he knows. He's, he's laying all this out. And so he is calling us to be people that ask him for wisdom. And if we ask for wisdom, he's ne he never downgrades us. He never looks at us, you dummy. Why'd you do that? That's what I say that to myself sometimes. Anybody talk to yourself, self-talk? I need to get over that. I need to grow up. Get over that. But, you know, God doesn't expect us to know everything because then we'd be God. He expects us to rely on him. He expects us to rely on him. And so we trust in him and say, Lord, I'm asking you for wisdom today about this circumstance, you know. And then lastly, you just claim the promises of God. We got to claim the promises of God for, uh, for the promises to come to pass. It's through the promises of God that we become partakers of the divine nature, the scripture says. It's through the promises of God, the things that he's already said, I want to do this for you. I want to work in your life. Greater things than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Church, when you come together, hear me, practice the one another's. Practice the one another's. Go through that list, look them up, get all 100 of them, get 94 passages. You think I'm joking. Write it down. Find out what, what the one another's are. 
And learn to be an encourager. Learn to shift the atmosphere by your words. Here's a simple way. I'll, I'll, I'll mention something that Holly does. And uh, she's always done this with her kids. First thing in the morning, I see it again with, with Nora. But uh, Holly, would, would, she would go into the bedroom to wake the kids up if they weren't awake or whatever. And she would, she would sing the happy birthday song. But she would sing good morning. Good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good morning. And then and, and she put in the, the kids' names or whatever. Good morning to you. I mean, come on. How about start your day with a little bit of encouragement? Of course, by the time they were teenagers, they were like, nah. <laughs> but when she rounds the corner and Nora's in the house, it's always a squeal. It's always a, hey, it's Mimi. You know, and, and where did that come from? You know, it's, it's, you know, you change the atmosphere through encouragement right? Now, I'm not recommending you to go to the office tomorrow and sing good morning to you. There is a proverb about that. If a man loudly blesses his neighbor in the morning, it will be taken as a curse. So don't, you know, age appropriateness, right? But what would happen if you just walked in with a blessing what would happen if you walked in and, and said, man, you know, I, I, I want you to know I prayed for you last night because of this, this, and this. Or we're working on this project together, and I was thinking about this. And, and I was thinking, you do this so well. You know, you do this so well. And, and you, speak, you speak a word of encouragement into that. And that, that friends, is how you, you connect in the promises of God. And this is what worship as a church is about. It's about the one another's.